Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Hello and welcome to Behind the Goals episode 21. This week on the show we have SD Scotland's newest recruit, or newest recruits, because Alan has now formally joined the Supporters Direct Scotland team, we're delighted to confirm, and alongside him uh, joining as a joint CEO is uh, Jason Barber of the Par Supporters Trust as well, so we're absolutely delighted that uh, they're now officially staff members as opposed to uh, board members as you were before, yeah. and uh, we're going to be uh, grilling Jason about uh, the Par Supporters Trust and, and through gritted teeth, uh, Alan is going to be <laughs> Uh, very um, in in ad- admiration for everything that they've done over the last sort of, six years, really. If you're if you're lucky, you might get in the outro what I really think about Dunfermline, but I may be, may be able to keep it together for the duration of this recording. Uh, so it's interesting to to find out um, Jason's story about his 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 uh, his time supporting Dunfermline and also his involvement in uh, various various groups to um, to help organise fans, uh, and it's a good sort of demonstration that. Um, um, you know, getting involved as supporters, not just about supporters trust, about share ownership. Um, there's there's a lot of other things that uh, that fans can do as well. Um, and at Dunfermline, they managed to um, get those things lined up quite neatly and have them all um, pulling in the same direction, even though they're they're there to do different things, which is a, a bit of a feat, really. Yeah, and and uh, I'm sure we'll discuss it more in the outro, um, along with your abuse for Dunfermline. But <laughs> uh, the 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 kind of uh, thing that strikes me is is very much about. Um, the everyone's got that shared objective and common common goal which you know i think when we've seen clubs where there's been a kind of um misalignment of Mm. objectives perhaps behind a a majority shareholder in terms of what their objectives are for a club and fans and other people then you know that's when things start to go wrong but you really get a sense with Dunfermline that they're all pulling in the right direction they're all on the same page they're all after the same thing and that's to see a strong Dunfermline Mm. athletic and and it's it's good to see for for a neutral like myself (laughs) perhaps not so much for yourself but uh, a real real delight to, to speak to Jason I think there's also things in there that he himself mentions that the the club do that other clubs don't that they might be interested in, in yeah, kind of learning that's from. right that's right so uh let's delve into it so um the behind the goals podcast is 21 today um so a special birthday uh edition episode of the podcast and we're joined uh, by jason barber um who is from the pars trust but he's also uh, newly joined the supporters direct scotland team uh along with myself uh, so uh, he, I and Andrew are three parts of, of Supports Direct Scotland along with Beverly and with Mark from the, the Foundation. So a, a little bit of a, a chance to, to find out a little bit about, about Jason uh, course, and his role yeah. at Dunfermline and, uh, and how he views the world. Yes, no, delighted to be on board obviously and uh, and find out uh, how we can basically expand the the uh, the spread of Supporters Direct Scotland certainly and, and spread the word. Um, obviously been involved with Dunfermline Athletic for a number of years in various roles. Uh, been on the, the PST, the Power Supporters Trust board a couple of times. Um, first of all, during the more um, traumatic and uh, incident-packed times back in 2013 when Powers United took over the club and the running of the club and PST were obviously integral to that uh, and became majority shareholders um, and then more recently uh, with helping Drew Main uh, who's currently the chair of the PST and is on the Dunfermline Athletic Board so I've been helping him in recent months again and uh, looking forward to uh, doing what I can to uh, to help with Supporters Direct Scotland. 
So wind the clock back even further than that. So when did you start following Dunfermline? Right now, there's a certain man to blame for that, and that would be Jim Leishman. Um, <laughs> back in the day when I was a primary school kid and Jim was out beating the drum as a young Dunfermline manager trying to uh, stop the masses of Dunfermline being swallowed up by Rangers, Celtic and even Aberdeen at that time back in the 80s. So I, I knew Jim as a family friend through Kelty Musical Association. His wife, Mary, um, was an integral part and leading lady of Kelty Musical every year. So we knew Mary and Jim very well through treading the boards at the Carnegie Hall. Um, and as a young kid, uh, it was fantastic that I knew Jim. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I you know looked up to him as a as a bit of a mentor and a hero figure. So he was he was reserve team coach at that time when I started going to the matches. It was actually Tam Forsyth uh, who was the Dunfermline manager, yeah. which which probably doesn't go down as one of the more uh, successful periods in Dunfermline Athletics yeah, okay. history. Uh, but Jim used to try and cajole and persuade any kid of my age to yeah. uh, come along and support Dunfermline. And, and obviously, just when he took over as manager, aged only 29, uh, we went on that rather meteoric rise through the divisions and we got successive promotions. And it was just a, a fantastic time with the crowds going up every year. And uh, so, yeah, it's Jim's fault. But even basically. as reserve team coach, he was this larger-than-life character. Absolutely. He would be going around the primary schools probably in an unofficial capacity that you wouldn't be allowed to do these days <laughs> just going around uh, kind of trying to persuade kids and their parents to come along and support Dunfermline so yeah that enthusiasm which bless him even at the age of 64 has never really waned but uh, no um, he, he was certainly larger than life and, and doing his bit for the club back then that's for sure so I'm I'm one of many of my generation that have probably got Jim to blame for uh, for being uh, stuck with Dunfermline Athletic for life it's, it's interesting actually that um that that kind of strategy has you know made you a lifelong Pars fan because Absolutely. you do see lots of clubs doing these kind of initiatives and I suppose yep. there's you always do wonder what's the kind of you know I, of I that think and, yeah I mean even online certainly you see it now now uh, on the likes of dfc.net and what have you there's just this generation of um, guys uh, who are in the late 30s to 40s that obviously just grew up at that time mm -hmm. and are Dunfermline Athletic fans because it was just the right time to be honest with you the mm -hmm. mid 80s when Dunfermline came up through the divisions and uh, the, the crowds got larger every year it was just a brilliant brilliant time to be a, a Dunfermline fan so it was just the right mm. person heading up yeah. Jim Leishman and all the all the cards fell in the in the right place to be honest mm. So then uh, you were you first got involved with the Supporters Trust. So the Supporters Trust, I think, was set up in 2004? Yes, 2004, 2005, when again Dunfermline started having financial problems at that time, uh, without wanting to dwell on the negative. But yeah, the, there were wage cuts at the time. Um, so the PST was set up uh, as a very, in its infancy, just to give the, the supporters a chance to own a share in yep. the football club. It was yeah. very... Low level, round about uh, 300 members at the time with the, the 50 founding members as well. Um, and it, it just grew from there, really. Um, and various funding initiatives were uh, were instigated over the years. And again, it, it just the, the funding at that time, um, it just all went into this one big pot. So it was always mm -hmm. difficult to try and to try and categorise exactly where the money went or if yeah. it went for a particular initiative. So, it, yeah, yeah the, the PST, headed up by Margaret Ross at the mm -hmm. time, who I'm sure will be a well-known name to a lot of the people listening. Uh, Margaret was forever banging the drum and trying to uh, to grow the PST and did a phenomenal job, actually, uh, during sometimes difficult circumstances to uh, to keep the PST going and uh, make sure that the, the funding kept coming in. Mm, I'm sure Margaret will, will go down in, in folk, folklore for, for her role in, I'm sure. I suppose, A, starting the trial 
trust her, her absolutely in, and, and growing it yeah. uh, exponentially as well and and she's she's certainly missed on a daily basis I mean some of the stuff that Margaret did on a on a daily basis just off you know more off the books in terms of just looking after the young players especially as well and just yeah. silly things like making sure that the how you know some young guys are coming to stay at the club moving away from home for the first time Margaret would sort out their utility bills and television licenses yeah, yeah. and just all the stuff that goes on behind yeah. the scenes that bless them young players perhaps wouldn't have a clue yeah, how course. to otherwise uh, organize so no Margaret was uh, was great for stuff like that and as well obviously being a, a public front face of the, the PST for a number of years. Mm. So from the outside looking in, it was, it was very notable. We, we put a quiz into, a, a team into a, a quiz night at East End Park a few years ago. Mm. And um, there, was a, there was a table of, of young players uh, that, that, that were forming a team. Margaret was there. And you're just seeing the sort of like the, the, sort of the, the really sort of like gentle, smooth way she moved around the room yes. and made sure everyone was looked after, yeah. everyone was okay. I mean, she was like, she had a real sort of... Uh, I think I hosted know, that quiz. Yes. Did you? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I remember that night, and yes. Do you remember our quiz, our, our team name? I, I don't. It was when we had Joe Cardell uh, in, in the Rovers team and yep. uh, his pre-corner routine is to uh, run his hands through his hair a couple of times, Correct. adjust his waistband <laughs> and then run his hands through his hair again. And uh, so our team name was Hair, Hair, Waistband, Hair. And in our team of four, three of us have hair and the other one has quite a waistband. So <laughs> it seems perfect. That rings a bell now. Yes, yeah, bless Joe and he's still... Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was good banter that evening. Yeah. But, uh, but again, uh, uh, events like that, Margaret was forever organising you know, with question of sport nights and she was always great at getting the management team mm. or players of the time and just forever doing events just to, to keep the profile um, keep the profile up yeah as you say she would she will be very well known by a lot of the different trusts and that are involved sure. with supports direct she was always at our events conferences summits she always you know um, was about and, and and supported things i think just incredibly well respected individual yes. uh, wherever she went and yes. i imagine you know more so no, she had that air yeah to, without, without a doubt certainly yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. and she, she's, she'll be remembered i mean we've got the the margaret trust memorial um fund on the go now so we fund youth players mm -hmm. in margaret's name uh we have a uh, a plaque up at East End Park now as well. So, no, Margaret's name will certainly live on. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Dunfermline Athletic, that's for sure. That's good. And um, if people wanted to, if people listening to this know of Margaret, or even if they don't know of Margaret, but they're kind of inspired by her role in everything she's done to help Of course. Them, how could they? Sort of yep, yeah, go on the website, your Par Supporters Trust. Um, go, as Jim Leishman would say, Google me hen. Um, <laughs> if, you just, uh, <laughs> if you just put that into the website, into your browser, certainly Google we can. Google me hen. Google me hen. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Google me hen. That's right. it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, one of one of Jim's catchphrases. Bless. <laughs> um, so happier times, I guess. So, oh well, actually, I suppose let's let's go before the happier times. You had a you had a, a huge financial um, administration at Eastern Park. We did, yes, fairly high profile, and without wanting to dwell on the negative, uh, I'm sure everybody's probably well aware of the circumstances of that. But uh, yeah, interesting times, and the PST were certainly at the the forefront of saving the club and uh, making sure that. It, it carried on. Uh, we were obviously very, very close to to the wall, um, Lord Woolman, um, at the, uh, the the High Court in Edinburgh. Certainly, we were minutes away, and thankfully, the creditors accepted the none too generous offer of zero pence in the pound to save the club and, and stop it going out of business. So, uh, yeah, administration was not a fun time with a lot of players leaving and the young lads getting thrown. Basically, the youth team were thrown into the first team at the time, and we we went down. We we suffered successive. Uh, Successive relegations, mm. complete polar opposite of uh, of the eighties. So we went two down two divisions in 
two leagues and uh, yeah it wasn't a fun time to be honest with you um, the, a lot of players left the club um, some obviously not of their own volition and uh, but the PST thankfully were at the absolute um, core of uh, building that back up again and the fan ownership model kicked in back in 2013 with Pars United being the front again Margaret Ross being uh, the, the, the face of that really um, and uh, yeah it was a phenomenal effort by thousands of people off the park, many of whom are now shareholders in Dunfermline Athletic, with the PST being the, the majority shareholder. Mm-hmm. So is it mainly small individual shareholders yes. there, apart from the, the big group? There are, there are some, obviously, some patrons, if you like, yeah. that, uh, that, that are, many of which are on the board now, the board of directors, but the PST... Uh, was represented on the, the board of directors by Margaret initially and when she sadly passed away Drew Main who again will be a well known name and face I'm sure so yes. Drew's currently on the board and represents the PST um, very well so attends all the board meetings and uh, is, a, is a good public face of the PST on a match day and what have you so mm-hmm. so and Drew's worked uh, very well with the uh, the, the SLO um, yes, yes, which has come in in recent years as well. So, again, the PST is evolving. Um, it's, it's a day-to-day part of the club. Myself and other members of the board have been uh, working on phones and in the ticket office in the last few days when we had the 48-hour turnaround for the Dungeon United match, which took <laughs> yeah. place on Tuesday night. So we managed to process 6,450 tickets in a fairly short space of yeah. time. But uh, fingers crossed we're all on standby for uh, the, the, the bank holiday weekend coming up because if we go through to the next round of the playoffs, we have a home match, uh, hopefully, to look forward to against Livingston. Yeah over a bank holiday weekend, so it's going to be all hands to the pump again, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So the, the takeover itself with Paris United taking control, although mm. zero, zero pence in the pound to the creditors, I'm sure there was yes. cost involved in, in doing that. There was a, a big fundraising campaign. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd save the PARs, we'd buy the PARs, all the various campaign groups went through different phases. Um, the PST were really the, the integ- integral model for that ownership. Mm. Um, Different fundraising schemes took place. We had all sorts of things, you name it. We had auctions online. Uh, we've got Marvin Stewart, who runs a, a supporter shop from East End Park now, which raises money. And then we've got the Centenary Club Lifeline, which I was involved with as well back yeah. in 2013. Which it was a Centenary Club was formed back in 1985 when Dunfermline okay. Centenary took place. Uh, with the big match against Aberdeen at the time with Sir Alex Ferguson, and it, it peaked at about a thousand members, paying hundred. £104 a year, I think it was. Uh, but that model had never changed. Uh, that fundraising model was still in place. People paid £8.66 uh, a month on a standing order. <laughs> uh, and, and members dropped over the years with, for various reasons. Sure. When Jim Leishman left in 1990, that suffered a, a, a yeah. huge drop in support and just other issues that people just um, slowly but surely... It was always a lot harder to gain members back after after numbers had dropped off. So it, it was there, but it wasn't providing a huge amount of money to the to the football club. Um, and Ross MacArthur, Donald Adamson and, and Margaret Ross, a, a lot of people who were involved in the, the, the taking over of them, Firm Athletic, looked at basically evolving that model and somehow making it a lot bigger uh, with the critical condition that the football club was in. Um, so they rebranded that uh, and I, w- I was made chairman of uh, the Centenary Club Lifeline and mm-hmm. the emphasis was really on the lifeline fact that this would provide money to the football club to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, no, Beyond the takeover. Absolutely, yeah, yeah in a more sustainable model. So the, the, um, it was a case of Dunfermline couldn't get any bank credit because of the situation they were in, so they couldn't yeah. go into an overdraft situation, they couldn't borrow any money, so they needed uh, cash, regular uh, budgeted income that was over and above 
gates. Um, so this Centurion Club Lifeline was set up with a big launch night in the Alhambra Theatre in Dunfermline. Um, Jim Jeffries was manager at the time and with all the, the key people, uh, Ross MacArthur, Bob Garmery was club chairman, um, Margaret Ross, and we all stood on stage and we basically beat the drum for this is your chance to help save the pars. So very quickly, we had over a thousand people sign up to this. Wow. It was £20 a month, so a significant wow. increase yeah. on yeah, the yeah, old yeah. £8.66. So a lot of members, to be yeah. fair to them, had been used to £8.66 coming out of the bank, uh -huh. probably didn't notice it in some cases, yeah. and it just became a, a regular, you would win prizes. A lot of the time, people would win a prize or a cheque would come through the door and they would say that they'd forgotten they were even in the uh -huh. scheme. So, uh -huh. uh, But this became a lot more high profile. Um, and we gave people the opportunity again to win money. We we gave away a car at one point. We had a, a car that was sponsored by Steve Curtis Cars in Dalgetty Bay. So we had that on the pitch. We would give away big cash prizes at Christmas or the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of the money went to the football club, but there was still that lottery, which again, it was different from the PST model, obviously, where mm -hmm. the PST are all about shares and fan ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, this lifeline being thrifty fifers as we Dunfermline fans are, you, you were going into the, the chance of actually winning something back for your yeah. £20 a month. So yeah. so that slowly, um, or rather quickly, bigger pardon, built up and it gave the football club a regular income of £17,500 a month, okay. which is phenomenal money. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And then as membership peaked as well, they would give top-up checks as well. So it, it circled out uh, to about £20,000 a month yeah. and that still carries on to this day. Yeah. So, for example, this season when we had the bad weather, I think Dunfermline went two full two and a half months without a home game with yeah. no cash income yeah. obviously no hospitality but that £20,000 a month check was still coming in from the lifeline yeah. which when yeah. the club can budget for that it's a remarkable model Fantastic. and I, I think a lot of other clubs have, have looked at it and have spoken to Dunfermline over the years and it really is it, it, it grew from the, the poor situation that the club was in so perhaps not to say that apathy would kick in with other clubs but unless your club is really at the dire straight situation that Dunfermline mm. was in it's perhaps hard to really kind of get out there and... and yeah. I think as well, there's probably the, the ownership structure you've got probably... So I can imagine once you've got through the difficulties, people's sort of initial thing would be to pull it out. But I guess yeah. when people know that the money is going into Absolutely. the club and the development of the club, they're much more Indeed. They're happier. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the same going. with the PST as well. And more yeah. importantly, I mean, obviously there are, there are high profile uh, projects, if you like, that both the Lifeline and the PST both fund. Um, the PST, for example, have funded two overnight trips for the team when we've had the crucial games against Everness this mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the 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 board of directors or the management rather have come to the PST and said, "Look, would you be able to fund um, an overnight stay?" So again, the players obviously appreciate that, and it may um, be of a measurable value if you think players well rested might go on in the fifth or sixth minute of injury time and get equalised. Exactly. Who'd have yeah. thought? Yeah. Yes, if Nicky Clark still so uh, could, is had a good night's sleep up in Inverness, the then that's made the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, let's hope yeah. so. We'll go. With that, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, so, in terms of now, how you 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 went through a kind of a, well, a I wouldn't say a minor financial crisis, a major financial crisis. Yep. Uh, so you reemerged with, with through mainly through the sports trust being the main vehicle for that. Correct. And there was the creation of the Pars United, uh, which kind of accommodated the, 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 the patrons within that, but the uh, but the the trust of the sort of majority shareholder as well. Yes. So there, for in terms of how people can see themselves, you know, the the, the pathway if somebody is interested in in representing the sort. 
uh, past supporters trust on the board of the club. They can yes. do now. There's that kind of pathway of course, there, isn't absolutely. There? Yeah, um, it's, it's there um, for people to see. Margaret was obviously um, high profile and was a supporter who evolved with the PST. Drew uh, took over, obviously in circumstances that he wouldn't have chosen. But again, um, yeah, um, the, the the board is there. I mean, I've been elected onto the board of the PST, as have others. Anybody can apply, uh, and it's, it's a it's a, a rotating uh, as you'll be with any other club. It's a rotating board, um, so people can uh, sign up, become a member of the PST, and uh, then join the board if they think they have the the time and the skills that can can help out in any way. We're always interested in uh, hearing fresh ideas, and uh, anybody's welcome. So, in terms of Pars United, the so that's a that's a community interest company. Yes. What what's the role of of that within the overall club? Yeah, I mean they are the uh, the umbrella, if you like. They, the the Dunfermline Athletic Board of Directors fundamentally report into the Pars United. They the, the one board reports to the uh, the Community Interest Board, so they are there to make sure that the uh, they're there to provide governance and they are there to provide uh, assurance for the, the board of directors to make sure that the football club is being run um, as it should be. So not very successful. And again, Donald Adamson, uh, a good friend of mine, he uh, he's on the board of the the Pars United along with a few other. Uh, and uh, again, that's a rotating board, but uh, they ensure that the governance is in place and. Uh, the football club are performing as they should off mm-hmm. the park mm-hmm. and that community interest company is it owns about 95% of the shares of yes. the football club so, yes. right. so yeah. it, to all intents and purposes it owns the football club absolutely yeah. a few other shareholders but there are a few yeah. but as you say yeah. minority yeah. but uh, for all intents and purposes it's, uh, it's, it's the Pars United so in terms of the the, the structure the Pars Supporters Trust own around 28% of Pars United Pars United which is the kind of overall body yes that, as, as the Alan governance says. yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's important that you have over twenty five percent of the yes, shares. Yes, and that's always been the case, and always will be. Um, it fluctuates nominally uh, when when other shares are either bought or sold, but uh, but yeah, it'll certainly remain above the twenty five percent, which um, allows uh, uh, the PST to have a representative on the, on the board of directors. And, and is PST actively growing its shareholding? Do you, you, you reinvest or do, or do you well, focus your energy on do, the, the lifeline? But the opportunity is perhaps there, but and the lifeline certainly is not a shareholder. That's yeah. that, was, that was a distinct line that was drawn at the time that uh, the PST would be the model and the route, obviously, for fan ownership. Mm-hmm. Lifeline, despite some people ask the question, should the lifeline scheme not? But that, that would make mm. it overly complex. Yes. And so yeah. very, very uh, distinct lines that the lifeline was purely more a lottery a fundraising mm-hmm. vehicle yeah. whereas the PST would be about yeah. fan ownership give people a certificate and a share in the yeah. pars and what have you so yeah, yeah very yeah. very clear cut lines there to make sure that people we didn't want anybody perhaps being blurred mm-hmm. in terms of which uh, which vehicle was for which and in terms of you know the the route in which you've you've gone into fan ownership perhaps wasn't ideal as no. you know same with perhaps you could say the same about Hearts and a few other clubs I guess uh, yep. but it seems to be as it does for them it seems to be working very well for you yes uh, yeah uh, through through troubled times um, thankfully we can uh, we can now look back and uh, yeah it's, it's definitely as you say it's not if you were to choose the route to go into fan ownership that wouldn't be the way and hopefully that a lot of other clubs can go into fan ownership in far happier times but uh, certainly uh, there are a lot of similarities uh, with, with Hearts as well and I think Brian Jackson was involved yeah, yeah. there was an overlap when yeah. he was involved at both clubs um, and we were sharing various resources including groundsmen and kit and all sorts <laughs> right. of things at the time but uh, but but yeah it's, it's certainly worked out very well um, and it, it continues to, to to grow to this day and mm. it's been very very popular and as I say thrifty fifers we, we, we perhaps don't um, do change particularly well but uh, but this is certainly one that's uh, that's worked out well mm. for the club 
and, it's and, and on the field, the club's on a, on a decent upward trajectory it as is. well. Yes, yeah. Right. I mean, we obviously, we, we had the slump where we went down to the third tier um, and, and took uh, a bit of time to get out of that, a couple of years to get out of that. But um, again, we, we established ourselves in the Championship last year. It's been a, a year of improvement and we had a very bad quarter, unfortunately, where we uh, we were the, the, the worst form in the league. But bizarrely, we seem to have flipped that. The last quarter of the season, we've been the form team. We're on a great unbeaten run. Um, and we're obviously in the playoffs at the moment so basically a cup final on Friday evening at Tanadice really winner yeah. takes all yeah. well don't take all they get they get to the next <laughs> round of the <laughs> playoffs right. well, and then we'll, another one after that hopefully but uh, that seems a long way away at the moment uh, well, when this podcast goes out we'll know whether that's been successful oh, right. and, okay. and, the, and the next round and no comment then I don't want to form <laughs> don't jinx it uh, don't no jinx definitely it. not it's interesting that we saw the, the, the crossover between uh, Dunfermline and Hearts because that, that mm. culminated in a, a friendly that you played, which yes. was the first uh, the supporters, supporters uh, Direct Cup. Cup at East End Park, certainly, yeah, which was uh, well promoted, uh, well marketed at the time with the, the trophy, and I think there was a there was a program produced as well right, uh, by yeah. Supporters Direct, so a collector's item. It's around here somewhere. Yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I suppose that was that that was nice actually because at the time I think in terms of the kind of flagship for fan ownership, you, yourselves and and. The timing of it and and i suppose now latterly motherwell as well yeah. yeah you know but what what would you say is the kind of future of that in terms of scottish football uh, I, yeah, I mean, hopefully the, the the trophy continues to to garner more interest, and it does become uh, a high profile game with Dunfermline and Hearts, uh, and I think Stirling Albion have been involved uh, since then, and there'll be another uh, another match to play at the beginning of uh, this season, hopefully. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a it was a very good vehicle um, for spreading the message, even the, the program which perhaps went out to an untapped market mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Uh, it was a good opportunity to uh, to get out to a, a wider fan base. Excellent. Okay, mm-hmm. that's all the questions I had, really. <laughs> Sorry, we'll let we'll this bit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I and I guess through that that period, as well as the fundraising, um, the crowds have stayed high as well, which may be uh, you know the thing that makes the fundraising work that people want to come and watch the football. They have, yeah. I mean, you'll know yourself, Wraith Rovers. There are, there are huge untapped supports out there, um, and it's just a case of you know pleading to these people, even likes of Tuesday night at East End Park. The basic facts are there must have been people there that yeah. don't usually attend, but yeah. people come to big matches when there's something to play for, when there is competition on the yeah. park, um, people will come out and support uh, the club. You, you see yourself with the Wraith Rovers promotion bid, the last game of the season, the yeah. same same uh, model applies that people who normally don't go to games yeah, well, come along. I think, I think our crowd was almost three times its normal level yeah. for that last game of the season. It'd be wonderful if these people turned up every <laughs> yeah. week, but alas, uh, it's, it's not as simple as that. So yeah, put, put good football in something for to, to, uh, to strive for and a mm. bit of competition on the park and, and people inevitably will come out and uh, yeah. support their local team and I think the other thing that goes along with that is the match they experience at East End Park is so I, I've got a couple of couple of things that I really like about Dunfermline obviously as a Wraith Rovers fan some things I don't like about Dunfermline <laughs> but I'll focus on the ones that I do okay, like right. so the steak Brideys. I was good, yeah. And okay. Sammy the Tammy. Tell of me course. about tell me about either either one of those. Sammy right, okay. the Tammy. Well, well the Sammy the Tammy boxes. is obviously a fairly secretive character. <laughs> There's not a lot of known. There's not a, not a lot of known as uh, about uh, Sammy the Tammy. But the steak Brideys um, are quite famous. Um, the Stevens Brideys and um, other local bakeries are available. But Stevens, uh, the bakers do provide the Brideys at Dunfermline, and I think most away supports um, rave about the Brideys yeah. at East End Park. They are a, a fantastic delicacy. So. Uh, um, yeah, so a 
I'm probably partial to uh, far too many state brides <laughs> during the course of the season, but uh, they they are a thing to behold. Sammy the Tammy, I know he's upset Wraith Rovers fans in the past. I think uh, I was I was highly amused by that. By the, the Gordon by the Brown car- was involved with the cardboard the tank. Car- the cardboard tank yeah. was the one I remember. The cardboard <laughs> tank was probably one of his more infamous. Uh, he's, I think he, the the one the other one that jumps out in my mind is when he went to the back of the Norrie McCarthy, the very top of the Norrie McCarthy stand, sledge down in a plastic <laughs> sledge, and probably hadn't done a dress rehearsal because I'm assuming that he slash she had not worked out what they were going to do when they hit the uh, the barrier at the bottom of the concourse. But was uh, there a risk assessment done? <laughs> well, I think we should maybe move on and uh, perhaps gloss over that one. But yeah, the cardboard tank certainly. The, 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 my, my, my other favourite one was. Uh, I guess Stephen Presley must have been Falkirk manager at the time. Yes, the, bro- the, the, the cardboard box broke. Shoes, that's right. The uh, yeah, we had a song about which I can't really repeat on the pro- no, podcast, no, but uh, we did have a song about uh, Stephen Presley and his uh, brown brogues at the time. But yeah, uh, yeah the, the the tank one certainly garnered a lot of publicity at the time. I think it was on the back pages of most of the the tabloids, um, and that in itself was. It was funny. I mean, yeah. you know, it was it was clearly some people took offence. Bless and yeah. Gordon Brown was involved, and they wanted an official apology and all the rest <laughs> of it. But I think what really set it off was the fact that Sammy the Tammy was in what was clearly a crudely drawn uh, couple of cardboard boxes <laughs> with tracks drawn on the side and marker pen, <laughs> but the tannoy um, played out machine gun fire yes. as he pretended to uh, uh, attack the Wraith Rovers end. So most people thought it was amusing, but unfortunately, there's always a minority that takes it a little bit seriously it's a shame Beverly's not here because there was a, there was a recent fan awards and uh, Kingsley won best mascot yes <laughs> yeah. good, good so mascot that. Yeah. but in Beverly's eyes and I'll never forget this she said stupid stupid survey because Sammy Dattari is clearly the best mascot <laughs> <laughs> in this side of country oh, dear. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that's coming from a St Johnston yeah. fan well, so. well that, that speaks volumes perhaps but, uh, but no Sammy has certainly evolved over the years and is, is a very popular character on match day that's for sure um, one other thing that uh, perhaps pains Alan to say, but a couple of weeks ago we did a, a podcast on the SD Scotland Index, right. and uh, you were full of uh, jealousy, perhaps. Yeah, for, my, for... My, my reluctant praise for Dunfermline Athletic again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, a running I'm making, yeah. making a habit of this. <laughs> so it's the, the you know the, the seven tick boxes, if you like, that we come up with in terms of you know the good things to look for in terms of engagement and transparency. So there's seven tick box, boxes. No, no clubs in Scotland tick all seven. Uh, but Dunfermline ticked six of them, and I don't think there's any others that tick all six. Which is the? I'm striving for perfection here. Which the, is the, the seventh? The seventh one, and if you can persuade Dunfermline to do this, try. this would be the, the the benchmark for all clubs in Scotland. But it's, it's the question we ask is: Does the club publish uh, details of board meetings and their minutes, right, and their okay. and, and the directors in attendance? On okay. their website. I'm sure, there, in theory, there will be confidential matters obviously mm. discussed at such yeah. board meetings, but I would have thought uh, an abridged version could be made. I, I will certainly raise that with the club yeah. chairman. It'd be that interesting be, to see uh, a club doing it, just to see the impact that that I, has. I, I would have to demonstrate that, yeah. to other clubs that they're, you know, not, everything needs, yeah. not everything needs to be confidential. Absolutely. No, no, not everything yeah. does. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. let's face it, there will be elements of the board meeting, yeah. perhaps, that require to be confidential. But, uh, but yeah, I would have thought that there would be... The, the a good opportunity there as you say that would be uh, a benchmark to, to set yeah. so leave that yeah. one with me if it's possible for one club to do it it's possible for all clubs to Absolutely. do it Absolutely, that, that would be great to get traction and there. in terms of the other six yeah as you say I mean so much work goes uh, goes on off the park uh, the, the recently a couple of weeks ago at Tynecastle they won the, the, the community the SPFL community mm. award for yep. the, the yep. fans engagement going around schools yeah. my, my daughter's in primary six and her class uh, was visited uh, it was just outside Dunfermline and her class was visited by the, the Paris Foundation 
qualification scheme. A couple of first-team players come along. Um, kids go along and do match day visits at East End Park where they take on different roles, whether it's interviewing each other, pretending they're working for uh, for a, a, a media station, or they, they speak with the groundsman. So they just find out all the different vocations that are available mm. at a football club other than yeah. the obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, so the, the, the fans' engagement has, uh, has really come on leaps and bounds in the last few years. Good. It is good. It's excellent stuff. And uh, actually, I know Beverly was there, and she she said it was a superb program. And Great. No, it's it's a good worth, model, and I, I would certainly encourage any other club to to do similar if they're not already uh, doing so, because it's it's been really popular with the school kids as well. Because inevitably, you go along to the local primary schools, and they'll do a straw poll of which football clubs. I mean, there will be some yeah. that support their local team, but the vast majority yeah. will obviously support others. So if they can. Again, it goes back to how we started this podcast when, when Jim Leishman was out uh, mm. banging the drum um, at local schools in an unofficial capacity. Yep. Uh, obviously, these days it's f- f- far more <laughs> formal. But yeah, uh, but yeah it's, it's the same basic ethos as if you can get the kids interested at aged six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. then hopefully you've got them yep. for life and you get middle-aged blokes like me who are still uh, actively working for the club yeah. uh, many, many years later. Yeah, trying to put a value on that is so difficult, isn't it? Because you, yep. you just wouldn't be able to measure that, that the impact Absolutely. that's had on you as an individual, but also the club. Without a doubt, yeah. yeah. And on the community as well. Uh, and on the community. You know, getting people feeling more connected to the place where they live. I think so, uh, through, yeah. Through football. And again, you'll be exactly the same with Rovers that... Um, it's so so critical to the town as a whole and people there are so many different avenues now for people to get involved with Dunfermline Athletic it's all it's always very easy to to sit and criticize from afar but anybody can get involved in almost an endless list of uh, opportunities to, to help out with the club whether it's going in and answering phones to take uh, phone bookings for tickets or helping out during the summer season when we're going around mm. putting reserved stickers on the PST do that every summer we go in and put the reserved stickers on the season ticket seats or clean clean the stadium give it a lick of paint uh, Dave Blackburn who's on the board of the PST I've got to give Dave a mention I mean he runs a, an army of volunteers that are forever just doing tidying up jobs mm-hmm. and just helping out around the stadium it is a big stadium to, to upkeep there unfortunately we're quite a few years of um, maintenance not being a priority so mm-hmm. some of the kit perhaps is rather tired but again Dave and his band of volunteers are going in there and they're trying uh, collectively to get the stadium back up to uh, to, to its, uh, its finest fettle yeah, so immensely valuable for the club and as we heard in last week's podcast when we were talking to Aaron about volunteering mm. uh, immensely valuable to the volunteers who are getting involved and, and being part of Absolutely. that Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You, you have a, a great feeling you've done your bit and um, and yeah, it, it could be anything from I, I know um, Willie the groundsman was out picking weeds and all the rest of it on Saturday before we had Sir Alex Ferguson in attendance but uh, yeah, the, the, you name it yeah. there, there's always, if somebody wants to get in touch with the club there'll be a job for them that's yeah. for sure <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll not struggle to find something for them to, to put their hands to superb stuff Very so the, the one question we always ask uh, our guests on the show is if they could change one thing about Scottish football what would it be? I could be incredibly uh, selfish and biased and say that I would like Dunfermline Athletic to win a trophy <laughs> in my lifetime uh, having not won anything since 1968 and I've seen clubs Wraith Rovers, <laughs> Ross County, Inverness, Livingston, Motherwell, St Mirren, the list is endless in terms of other clubs that have won um, trophies in my lifetime. So 
if I could change one thing, I'd like to go back to the 2004 Cup final when we were 1-0 up at half-time against Celtic and Bobo Baldi then handballed and we didn't get a penalty. So, yeah, if I had a not, TARDIS... Not better about it. No, 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 I'm over it now. But um, if I had a TARDIS, I'd perhaps go back to that uh, afternoon in May 2004 and uh, see if Dunfermline got a penalty and we went 2-0 up and who knows, we may have won the Scottish Cup that day. But... Uh, Alas. Uh, that sounds like a perfectly fine wish. If you're going to use it for selfish purposes, what's the yeah, point? Yeah, really? 14 years on. Uh, but yeah, I like the Murphys. I'm not bitter. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us today, yeah, Jason. Thank you, gents. No, pleasure. Good. Okay, so thanks very much to Jason for coming in and talking to us um, outside of his, his role with Supporters Direct Scotland, just talking about Don Fairman. Um, fascinating chat I've still not ungritted my teeth um, so I'll still I'll, I'll stay positive about Dunfermline for a, for a little while longer um, it's really fascinating just to hear quite an unusual thing that they've done there in terms of um, keeping everybody pulling in the same direction and having a big big fundraising target that they hit that's predictable it's budgetable that's dependable for the football club that gets them through the tougher times when they have games postponed but also I, I guess when when things aren't quite as tough as that gives them an extra little bit of uh, revenue that they can they can mm. deal with uh, and, and and use to to grow the club mm. and keep it moving and I, I think Jason was being fairly um, modest because he played a, a very large mm. part in the kind of um, reform of the centenary club that he spoke about there so to have a club be able to rely on 20 grand a month income as you say yeah. through that fundraising initiative is incredible really and, yeah. um, and the fact that that hasn't dropped off I think demonstrates the strength of you know what the they're purpose. doing yeah, yeah. exactly and yeah. people understanding and buying yeah. into what they're doing and okay they can get something back but most of them probably don't do it because they get the prospect yeah. of something back from it yeah, it's, nice it's, 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 one, it's one thing digging, digging into your pocket and signing up for a standing order when you're trying to save the club but mm. but once it's well people often think that after a, a community takeover has gone through that's that's the club safe. Uh, and safe um, we've done the job it's saved now we can just get back to just yeah. you know paying for our season ticket but to have people five years on yeah. uh, still contributing at that level is, is phenomenal. Mm. Uh, and Jason's quite open about saying, you know, other clubs could learn from this. Other clubs could do it. It's not a secret how they've done it. And they're, it's a lot of hard work, um, but it's not a secret. And mm -hmm. they're, they're quite happy to share that. So I'd encourage other clubs, uh, if, they've, if they can see the value and who couldn't see the value in £20,000 per month yeah, yeah, or absolutely. whatever figure that it generates per month, um, you know, you know, fans of other clubs should get in touch and try and learn from what Dunfermline have done there um, and how it's transformed, transformed their club to one that was in mm. financial difficulties to being, as I grudgingly say, the model of... Uh, engagement and transparency and also with a strong strong level of supporter ownership mm -hmm. um, when you look across Scotland there's not many that are doing it better than, than Dunfermline no absolutely um, going forward with the podcast we're keen to get uh, listeners views on um, what we do next in many respects yeah. we are interested in doing some kind of retrospective reviews of uh, films books uh, documentaries so if you if you listen to the podcast and you, you kind of enjoy the the things that we talk about then um and there's something that in particular you think that would make a, an interesting i'd like to see somebody review that then um, yeah please do suggest it to us i think we've, we've mentioned a couple of movies in the past i think when brian jackson was was on we were talking about i was actually with when we were talking to andrew jennings uh, we talked about the fifa movie and yes. uh, the 30 million puff piece that set blatter commission to to make them look good united passions united passions so i we have a copy of that um i've I forced myself to watch it all through, so we may do a film review of that one week. Um, but also closer to home, things about Scottish football that yeah. you'd like to, uh, that you, if you've seen a great documentary um, or, or something you encountered that that tells a really great story, 
um, that we could help get to a, to a different audience. That would be great. Yeah. Also, we'll continue doing the, the, the podcast as we've been doing them so far, you know, finding somebody to, to interview and chat about what's happened at their club or their particular role in football or, or experts for the Masterclass series uh, as well. So, so those will keep on going. But, uh, um, you know, these, these, this, other, this other kind of form of podcast, we're quite keen to do that because uh, it seems like it'd be quite good fun. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> if we're being completely selfish about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you once again for your, uh, your time and listening to the podcast and supporting us. Um, and uh, until next week, see you then. Yeah, speak to you next week. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott. Thank <laughs> you.